Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo, and welcome to A.K.A. Sports, episode number 17. And as always, co-hosting it with me, the man, the myth, the legend himself, simply known as Fletch Fletch. Once again, thank you again for helping me uh, host this show for AKA Sports. Uh, if you want to listen to us a little bit more, obviously, you can always go to anchor.fm slash AKA Sports or even check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash AKA Sports or FB. So that's AKA Sports FB for Facebook. Uh, Fletch, we've had a, a tremendous weekend of sports. We had a lot to watch this past weekend. Um any NFL games, maybe some college games, NBA games that you watched this weekend that you found a little bit more interesting than the rest? Um, not so much this weekend. This weekend was a really good sports weekend, though. You had a lot going on. Uh, we're kind of at that, uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago, that almost like sports eclipse, if you will. So there's a lot to digest every weekend. And, um, I, I guess the biggest thing that I noticed, and we'll get it to it when we talk hoops a little bit more, but uh, just how the Warriors are rolling and, you know, what they were able to do to the Nets the other night. So, uh, but outside of that, kind of business as usual throughout this whole weekend. Um, what did you find this weekend, man? Uh, there was a lot of college basketball this weekend. I tried to dive into it as much as I could. Uh, there's actually some upsets just recently in the past several days that we'll touch on a little bit during the show. Uh, but like you mentioned, we have a lot of sports to digest. A lot of our free time is getting sucked up, and that's totally fine. I'm totally fine with just sitting down, relaxing, and watching sport after sport. Uh, I have no problems with it <laughs> this time of year. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into the show here today. Uh, we will jump with the news and notes. The first article, we saw it pop up on ESPN. We mentioned it just a little bit off air. It was an article stating that the 2001 Miami Hurricanes football team was arguably and could be ranked the number one best college football team of all time. Um, they were completely loaded with so much talent. Just a few names to mention would be uh, Hall of Famer Ed Reed. You have Bryant McKinney, Clinton Portis. And again, that's just to name a few because they ended up having 38 NFL draft picks from that team. Uh, just a phenomenal team. I definitely remember watching them because they actually tried to go back to back the following year and couldn't quite get it done. But Fletch, I put up a list from Bleacher Report. They put up their top 10 teams of all time. Uh, two questions for you. Number one, do you also agree with them that the Hurricanes would, of 2001 are the best team of all time? And number two, can you name me one other on that list if you haven't seen the list? That's a tough one. I mean, I, I think they would be number one. Um, that team is very well known. Um, there's a couple teams that I would mention, uh, actually the U again in the eighties back when I believe Michael Irvin was there was also a pretty loaded team. Um, and then one that we actually got to see would be, uh, the Trojans, USC Trojans when, uh, Leonard and Bush, uh, were leading the backfield as well. Those are a couple that come to mind, uh, in this whole argument. And I guess actually a third team as of more recent, um, and I guess there's a few that probably uh, included in this debate. If you look at either Alabama or LSU, um, specifically, I'm referring to the LSU team that recently won with Burrow, uh, Chase, Jefferson, Edwards, Alaire, and a couple other guys. But you know, their NFL 
careers have yet to be, you know, seen, uh, you know, uh, you know, in, in length, we have only year one or two into a few of these guys' careers. So, but those are the ones that come to mind here, man. I don't know how many of those I listed that or named that may be on this list, but I, I would venture to say at least one or two of these have to be there. Uh, you are absolutely correct. At number five was those 2004 USC Trojans. Uh, and then at number six with the 2019 LSU Tigers, at least according to Bleacher Report, um, obviously the biggest nice. problem that I have with these type of lists is number one, I don't remember watching any of these teams and I wasn't watching most of the teams that I wasn't born during those times. Uh, obviously <laughs> like, you know, 72 USC Trojan is number three, the 71 Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, on the list at number two, I didn't watch any of those teams, so I can't accurately compare those teams and obviously it was a different time for any one of these but one team i mm -hmm. like that was on this list was the 2005 texas longhorns with vince young i remember watching that national championship mm -hmm. game that great rose bowl game running to the corner of the end zone to get the win over usc ah oh, i absolutely love that and surprisingly enough the only alabama team that's ranked is the 79 crimson tide at number nine. wow yes so that is interesting yeah and i'm looking for the honorable mentions and there's no other alabama team mentioned and even the honorable mentions at least according to bleacher report so interestingly enough i know there's a lot of older teams on there they have an the 1945 army black knights i remember that team said oh, no God. one um Anyway, yeah, there's a lot of really good teams on there. Obviously, if you have another name in mind of the greatest team of all time, put it in the notes for us. Maybe we can have a little bit of a discussion on uh, another podcast down the road. But I like where ESPN is. I like where Bleacher Report is. That Miami Hurricanes was just loaded of a team. So can't argue mm -hmm. with it too much. But at the same time, I didn't watch most of these teams play because I wasn't born. But... That's neither here nor there. Uh, so Most that, weren't. Yeah, exactly. So let's go ahead and move on. Uh, let's stick with uh, college sports, and we'll go to college basketball. There was a few upsets this past week. Uh, just yesterday, we saw uh, the Oregon Ducks get throttled by BYU. Uh, and actually, that was a couple nights ago on Tuesday. The same night, Michigan lost by two to Seton Hall. They were ranked number four in the nation. And then just yesterday, we also had Maryland 20th in the nation lose to George Mason. Uh, so it's very early. There's not really any value to these wins. It's not like college basketball or not like college football. where There's very little games to choose from. Um, they don't have that big of an impact for the most part at this time. But uh, Fletch, you've taken a look at the schedule coming up over this weekend and coming this week. Any big games that you've found? Yeah, for sure, man. We got a few uh, coming up that I'm kind of excited about. And like you mentioned, I mean, there's little weight to these games. It does kind of help us a little bit uh, with the rankings going into uh, the rest of the season as we get a little bit deeper into non-conference play, a little bit deeper into conference or, it's, you know, once we start conference play, I should say, uh, these games may have an effect on future rankings, future, 
you know, bracket position, things of that nature. But uh, a couple big notable games here coming up. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday night, as we usually do. And the folks, you'll hear this Friday and Saturday uh, as well. But currently, as we are doing our podcast, we have Ohio State versus Xavier, uh, which is kind of a rivalry if you're from Ohio. You understand Xavier's, um, you know, kind of been a very, very good basketball program out of Cincinnati and then Ohio State. Um, also, another very good basketball program. These guys are facing off now. Um, going into this weekend, we got a couple notable ranked games. Uh, Saturday, we have North Carolina at or against Purdue. Um, they're actually playing in a, a neutral site and the uh, Cheez-It Hall of Fame tip-off. Um, they're playing in Connecticut. Also included with this is a, this is a very good uh, – preseason or early season basketball tip off or classic if you will after the North Carolina Purdue game or I shouldn't say after that but in, including that game you also have Villanova and Tennessee uh a nice ranked matchup in this um in this uh tip off classic um those both both of those games are Sunday a lot of these games uh will get a new game on or excuse me on Saturday we get a new game on Sunday depending on who wins a lot of these classics and tournaments and then going into the week next week the only well there's a few other games but the one I really want to bring up Clark is this one this is number one versus number two early in the season this is a good measuring stick for both both Gonzaga and UCLA uh rank one and two respectively it's also really nice. It has some tournament vibes to it because it's going to be on a neutral site in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. It is a late game being on the West Coast, 10 o'clock on ESPN on Tuesday night. So hopefully I might, that might be a night where we might have to stay up and uh, watch some hoops as long as we can. So uh, I'm excited about that game heading into next week as well. And uh, outside of that, you got a couple other ranked games. Uh, UConn versus Auburn is probably to be mentioned as well before we get into next week or before we get deep into next week. So um very very exciting starts to the season you mentioned it we've seen a couple upsets um expect to see more this early in the season as teams jockey for position um some teams showing you what they're made of some teams showing you you know they may not be as good as previously ranked and uh, we'll get that sorted out soon i'm assuming uh so i'm excited for this upcoming week of college college hoops yeah there's a lot of games coming up just like you mentioned this coming Tuesday, Gonzaga versus UCLA. Again, having those tournament vibes, it's really, really nice to see those games, big games early, uh, obviously on nights that don't include NFL games or college football. So we'll definitely have some time to watch those games, and we'll keep an eye on college basketball as we continue to progress throughout the season. Fletch, I'm just going to let you push straight into the other, the professional form of basketball Uh any couple of news that's yeah. out there in the NBA that uh, is catching your eye? Yeah, there's a couple things, and we talked a little bit about these off air. And if uh, folks you've been paying attention, um, a couple couple notable things out off the court. Uh, first and foremost, the Staples Center is now going to be called Crypto.com Arena. Um, excited about this, honestly, if, you know, uh, you, I don't, I mean, me and you may not remember or at least see, saw many games played, uh, because they moved that, uh, when we were kids, um, the great Western forum was always the staple in Los Angeles. A lot of events held there. All the Laker games were held there. I think Clipper games as well. Well, moved into the Staples Center. They saw big events hosted here, and the ticket on this was massive. 
Seven hundred million dollars is what Crypto.com paid. Seven hundred million dollars. That is a lot of zeros, Clark. Yeah, it's over twenty years, but that still uh, averages out to I think it's thirty-five million a year just to have your name yes. on the arena. Yes, indeed. And we have about a month until that is unveiled. That is actually going to be uh, uh, unveiled, or the the new logos arena will debut December twenty fifth christmas day when the lakers host the nets at home um and then by uh the summer here in june actually which i'm assuming probably after the finals are over um regardless of who's in it is probably when you'll see the name change over to officially across the board to crypto.com arena um so change is always you know different but yet in this case i'm not opposed to it because the building is still the same i'm sure you'll get the same vibes of how staples center likes to dim the light over the crowd and the light is a little bit increased in on the court which makes it look more like a stage perfect for hollywood of course <laughs> so i'm assuming we'll probably see a lot of that and then also too we all know the clippers are uh moving soon to their own building so um, it will be the Lakers and the Lakers home only uh, very soon. So uh, moving forward, though, we'll, we'll kind of monitor this a little bit and see how things go. Uh, that's one big piece of news. The other is, uh, again, something we talked about as well, and it's something that's popped up as of recent, is that the general managers of the NBA are forming an association. Uh, Clark, you kind of actually put me on game to this uh, uh, yourself here. Uh, could you fill, it, fill, fill the folks in a little bit more about the, uh, about the situation or about this this group for me? Yeah, it was the NBA general managers are working to finalize a formation, a very similar group to what we see with the National Basketball Coaches Association and college basketball. Uh, their GMs are pretty much trying to put together a group because what's going on with the Portland Trailblazers internal probe? It was a situation where there was a lot of uh, complaints being sent from HR. Uh, the Blazers went out and hired a law firm, I believe it was o o Mel Melvany and Myers. Probably butchered that name, but it's fine. Uh, they hired that law firm <laughs> to conduct a fair and independent review of the situation and when they saw this happening, the GMs kind of looked at it and said, wait a minute, uh, we're kind of under the same probe as any coach or really any other player at this point. They were concerned that they could potentially be fired for, quote unquote, traditional reasons uh, based on team performance, uh, personality conflicts, as well as differing philosophies, which uh, we talked a little bit off air uh, the first one, team performance, that's really on them. I'm not sure why they would be afraid to not do their job uh, as GMs. Uh, obviously, putting together, that's their job. But yes, or being fired for personality conflicts or differing of philosophies, that's what they're concerned about. So they're going to put this group together. Uh, they've already alerted uh, all the owners in the association at this point uh, to basically give themselves a little bit of a buffer just to protect themselves. It's nothing overly crazy that I can think of. It's not like we've seen anything crazy with the uh, National Basketball Coaches Association, but it definitely protects them. It's not quite a unionization uh, situation, but it definitely gives them a level of protection against, uh, like I said, other things that really they're not responsible for, but could be fired because of. So, Again, one of those things to keep an eye on. It's very interesting if you're looking outside of just the sport and look at the business side of things. Uh, it's definitely something that, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that didn't exist to begin with. Uh, right. So 
this is what they've been doing now is trying to put this together um, based on the probe that the Trailblazers have done internally uh, to kind of protect themselves moving forward. Uh, but again, very interesting outside the sport. Um, anything else within the NBA worth mentioning? Um, I guess just really quick, we'll kind of just hop into a few on-court news and notes. I appreciate you filling us in on that, uh, on the general managers forming this, you know, some type of group here. Um, just to kind of, you know, uh, touch on that a little bit. I think it's, I, I do believe that probably something like this probably, I would say, should have existed. Um, it's good that it is forming, I think. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of, like, turnover uh, between coaches and GMs, really, in professional sports in general. I understand, you know, what have you done for me lately is always going to be the thing in pro sports, especially with basketball and uh, football and baseball. Um, you know, everybody's trying to kind of win now and the teams that aren't. Um, you know, you che- I believe what happens, and we saw this, and I used to the Cleveland Browns is a good example in, in, in sports. We saw how bad they were for years and years and years. Well, if you go back to quarterback football, there's a lot of turnover that happened in Cleveland. It caused a lot of that to, you know, it basically caused them not to succeed. Um, I think there's something very important about consistency, and I think you have to kind of let things grow organically a little bit. And when you sign people to contracts, they want the players to abide by these contracts. Yet when it comes to coaches and GMs, they were very quick to fire them before those contracts expire uh, based on performance of, say, just one or two years a la Stan Van Gundy in New Orleans last year, uh, being one example um, for the Pelicans. I know it wasn't a great coaching job, and I think they're trying to make sure that they can keep Zion Williamson, and that's part of the reason why they made the switch. But nonetheless, you know, going doing one year uh, for that team is and then switching is obviously not working as they were bad last year, and they look even worse this year. I know Zion hasn't played, but before he got there, before Zion got there, that team was at least respectable and have a lot of the same key pieces. So uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there and uh, kind of a smooth transition for us, Clark, as we head into the some actual on-court NBA news. Um, I don't know if you got to catch the game the other night, but uh, it was kind of a anticipated matchup early in the season, which was uh, the Nets versus the Warriors, and they played in Brooklyn. Um, the game was actually pretty intriguing. I mean, the Warriors handled business, and uh, it kind of exposed the the Nets for who they are. Without Kyrie Irving, they show that they actually they, they need more help. Um, I don't know if maybe Kyrie is the missing piece there or if these role players are just not quite as good as what we maybe have expected or maybe what they expected. But um, Golden State's playing lights out this year, clearly the best team in basketball right now. And Clark, we have great news. Klay Thompson is being cleared for 5-on-5. Five five. So expect him to return very soon. I was assuming Christmas would be the target date on that. Um, I'm thinking that it still will be as they just want to make sure that he's 100% before he comes back on the floor. Also, too, with the way they've been playing, maybe not want to interrupt the flow quite yet. And I think it would be a seamless transition once Clay returns. So I'm excited about that. Um, outside of that, the surprise team, the Washington Wizards are still number one in the East somehow. <laughs> um, so that's something very uh uh, exciting to be honest with you. It was good to see parity in NBA, and that shows that what Russell Westbrook trade has so far paid off for them. And if you look at the Lakers, possibly not so much. <laughs> so here we are, um, you know, about 15 games into the season for uh, give or take, obviously, for quite a few teams, and um, starting to see, you know, 
like we mentioned last week, you're really starting to see who's good, who's struggling, who, you know, we're, we're remaining, we're waiting to see what that, what these certain teams look like. But a lot of teams are looking really good, and um, I'm excited going into the season in the East. Is actually looking very deep and very strong, which is very good for the league as they've kind of been almost a lesser conference uh, for the better part of the last two decades. But uh, as of late, uh, last few years, especially this year, they're really showing, you know, that their time is now. Um, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. So um, it's good. Again, great time of year as everything's kind of overlapping each other. But that's kind of the early season hoop news so far. Yeah, and we'll continue, much like college basketball, allow the season to kind of progress to kind of see where things go. But like you mentioned, Clay Thompson coming back. Uh, the league already doesn't like the Warriors for being so good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, only good things moving forward, assuming he comes back fully healthy and what we remember him being. Uh, before mm -hmm. we jump into the MLB, because there's quite a bit of news there, any big fights this weekend? Actually, there is. Um, this is uh, kind of a, a somewhat of a super fight, and those are the ones we really like to mention. You know, there's always a lot of fights. There's fights every weekend, but there's always a few that stand out so far this year. Uh, I mean, Clark, if you remember, I know on the UFC front, we had Usman uh, taking down Covington recently. We had the great heavyweight bout um, ending the trilogy, as far as we know, between Fury and Wilder. Um, had a, a Canelo fight against Caleb Plant. He uh, unified all four of the championships there in the middleweight division. And it brings us to this weekend, sir. So what we have is the most competitive division in boxing right now. And I would say really in fighting in general, uh, the welterweight division, 147-weight class. You have the guys like Errol Spence, who's a title holder. You have Manny Pacquiao, who seems to be uh, possibly retired at this point. He may get one or two more fights, you know, to kind of send him off on his way. Uh, but you have uh, Yugis, who beat him, who was also a champion in that in that division as well, the welterweight division. And here this weekend, we have Terrence Bud Crawford versus John Porter, who also is a former champion, and Crawford's a current champion. So big uh, matchup here. Uh, Crawford is still undefeated with 37 wins to his name. And then Porter has three losses, all of which are all title fights and all respectable losses. Um, and I'm very, very excited to see this fight for a few reasons. Terry Crawford, honestly, and this may be due to, I, I would say, subpar management. I'm not going to be too, too hard on his uh, promoter. But at the same time, he really hasn't fought, to me at least, and I know other people feel this way as well, he really hasn't fought as high level as competition as your Pacquiao's, your Keith Thurman's, your Sean Porter's, Danny Garcia's, Errol Spence's of this division, uh, just naming, you know, five. And then, of course, uh, Yukis being maybe a sixth person I can name in this division now that he's a title holder. These guys have all had fights against each other uh, to a degree. All of them haven't fought each other, but all of them, except Terrence Crawford, have had some kind of bout either scheduled or actually happened um, over the last two to three, maybe even five years, actually, it was to go back a little bit further as these guys have kind of been at the top for a little while now. So this is Terrence Crawford's biggest test to date. Um, Sean Porter is very seasoned. I'm honestly pulling for Sean Porter in this fight. I, I just don't have a lot of faith in, in Terrence Crawford just due to the competition he has not faced yet. And I think this is going to be his biggest test. And Sean Porter's a bully in the ring, man. So for everybody uh, wanting to tune into this fight, you can catch it on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. 
I want to say $69.99, kind of typical price for a uh, boxing fight. Um, it's this weekend. Um, should be a good brawl. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my money right now on Sean Porter. That's how I'm feeling. I do think we'll see a good fight. I'm not expecting any knockouts. I think it'll go the distance, and uh, we may see you know, a split decision, unanimous decision, one of the two, obviously. But I think that's what it's going to come down to, some type of decision. So keep an eye on this. Uh, personally, I'm pulling for Sean Porter, but I'll be honest, Clark. The best thing for boxing would be for Terrence Crawford to win to possibly set up a super fight between Crawford and Spence or Crawford and Keith Thurman um, or Ugas. Uh, there's three guys to pick from. Uh, uh, Crawford, Crawford, uh, if he can win this fight, Spence, you know, would be my my dream matchup right now. I would love to see these two get it on. And then um, second on that list for me would probably be Keith Thurman, just for the simple fact that we haven't seen him in the ring, I think, since he's lost to Pacquiao back in 2018, I believe, uh, late 2018. So uh, it's been a close to three years or about three years since he's been in the ring. We've seen him, so I'm curious to see what he looks like as he's kind of getting up there in age. But I'm really excited about this fight, man. And I, I uh, urge everyone to tune into this one to be after your college football game so you won't, won't miss anything on Saturday. Uh, but, uh, I'm again, I'm excited about it, and uh, that's the – that is is the highlight right now probably the biggest fight for the rest of this year Our fights are going to start um, coming in through january february as we uh see some more get scheduled but nonetheless that's what we got this weekend man on the fight scene um again excited and hope everybody tunes into this one and uh we'll recap this next week yeah yeah we definitely will recap it and yet another piece of my free time gone away to another sporting event um but uh always good to see that the uh, the boxing arena and just fights in general is has a lot to talk about which is always a good thing uh let us go ahead and finish mm -hmm. off the news and notes for the mlb now i'll start with the good news the good news is the mlb has uh finished off their awards um, we just recently, within the last five minutes, finally got the American League MVP. It was a unanimous decision for Shohei Otani. Obviously, he's the only reason to get the NL, or the only person to choose for the <laughs> AL MVP. Uh, he, let's just look at his line. He hit 257. He hit 46 home runs, 100 RBI, uh, scored 103 runs on 26 stolen bases, and that's just his plate appearances uh, when he was on the mound he was nine and two with a 3.18 era with 156 k's over 130 and a third innings uh let's just say he was good this year something that we haven't seen in <laughs> quite some time probably since the babe was around uh, so congratulations to Shohei Otani for a unanimous decision. The NL MVP was uh, just released before that. It was Bryce Harper winning his second NL MVP. Uh, congratulations to him on a phenomenal season. 35 home runs, only 84 RBI. But when you hit 309, uh, you're going to do some things. Leading also MLB with 179 OPS+. Plus. Always good to see. Uh, some other notable awards, the American League and National League Cy Young Award winners were both Diamondbacks at one point in their career. Robbie, Robbie Ray with the Blue Jays won it for the AL, whereas Corbin Burns won the NL Cy Young with the Brewers this year. Congratulations to them. 
Uh, as for Rookie of the Years, we have Randy Arozarena from the Rays, who honestly played last year, but based on the fact he didn't play enough games to actually qualify for his rookie season, uh, yeah, it's weird. Baseball's weird by that, but congratulations. He got a nice little startup, but still got the Rookie of the Year this year. Congratulations to him. And then actual rookie year, uh, Jonathan India. Uh, for the Reds, I believe it was uh, their short, or second baseman this year. Uh, he had a phenomenal season for the Reds. Um, congratulations to him. Uh, Kevin Cash, the uh, manager for the Rays, joins Bobby Cox as the only repeating uh, manager of the year. He won it for the AL, whereas the Giants manager, Gabe Kapler, uh, won it for the NL as well. And honestly, there's only three awards that actually truly matter and no disrespect to anybody else but these three awards here actually mean something that is the hank aaron awards for the al and the nl the al went to vlad guerrero jr uh, and for the national league it was bryce harper and then really the most important one the most valuable one is the roberto clemente award and that went to the twins nelson cruz congratulations to all three of them and everybody else that won awards this season now that's the good news uh the bad news is december 1st is d-day for the mlb it is the end of the collective bargaining agreement uh basically if you don't know what the cba is and that's what the collective bargaining agreement is it's a agreement between the owners as well as the players association that basically uh, detail out all the agreements uh, that they're going to play under for the following season or seasons depending on how long the cba is uh, this one actually runs out on december 1st which is coming up very quickly uh, the problem is there's a lot to talk about the players want uh, a better minimal salary especially for younger players uh, that are struggling uh, there's also many other topics as well that they're going to be struggling with. More than likely at this point, based on an article from Jeff Passan on ESPN, basically stating that Commissioner Rob Manford it could potentially lock the players out uh, of the MLB. Basically what that means is they will not be able to go on any of the MLB premises until an agreement is made. Uh, completely different from what we saw in 1994 when the players actually were, went on strike and we lost half the season and didn't have a World Series that year. Uh, so mm -hmm. it seems like the ma or it seems like the owners are going to put the lockout on the players to try and quicken the talks, uh, potentially get a CBA done. But uh, from what we saw in 2020, when they could couldn't decide on how to handle COVID and how to pay players and how many games to play. It doesn't seem like this is going to be something quick, so we'll keep an eye on it as it continues. Hopefully it does not actually uh, affect the next season, but honestly, it might, and that is a real bummer for the fans. So we will see what happens there. Uh, just a few talking points from their last uh, owners meeting. We talked a little bit about it off air. Uh, first, the Rays continue their proposal to try and play in two different home cities, one in Tampa Bay and one in Montreal. Uh, obviously, they know that they're struggling to get ticket sales in Tampa Bay, so they want to try and litigate that a little bit uh, by having a home city in Montreal, something that the owners still have yet to decide on because, granted, with COVID still happening, it's going to be very difficult that if they get to Montreal, they may not be able to leave, assuming that they can even get out of the country uh, at that time. 
so that will be one thing. The A's could potentially move to Las Vegas. They're still trying to fight their way to stay in Oakland, but we'll see how that plays out. But the more interesting one, and maybe what we could have led this podcast off with, was obviously this past year we had a big issue with uh, pitchers in the MLB using some kind of sticky foreign substance to try and affect the baseball to get a little bit more of a spin rate to it. Uh, obviously, we saw what happened. It got to the point where we had to, after each inning, have the home plate umpire check the pitcher's hat and glove after every single inning, something that doesn't seem like MLB wants right now because they want to actually speed up the game. Uh, and that seems like it's going to slow it down. But uh, Rob Manford, Commissioner Rob Manford, actually proposed using a pre-tacked baseball. Fletch, hmm. I could be wrong. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit much. I, I don't, I mean, I get, I guess I get the reasoning behind it to a degree. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of that. That's just not a good idea to me. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We didn't, we have an issue recently with the balls being very tight. Wasn't that an issue a few years ago? There's been several issues, depending on who you ask. If you hit ask the hitters, <laughs> they are being too uh, too soft to where they couldn't hit them as far. And then the pitchers were complaining that the, the rubber on the inside was too tight because they were hitting them too far and too hard. Um, it's difficult. I'm not sure exactly what's going on with the baseballs. I, I would have to imagine somewhere along the line these baseballs are getting, I wouldn't say doctored is the right word, but changed to depending on what uh, MLB wants. If they want more runs scored, maybe they change how the baseballs are made just a little bit. Uh, but I'm unsure at this point because the managers or the owners at this point were trying to speed up baseball as well as score a bunch more runs. But if we're going to pre-tack the baseballs, I don't think you're getting a faster game, nor am I going to score more runs with a pre-tack baseball. Um, True. And I'm unsure what happens when the pre-tacked baseball hits dirt. Does it collect the dirt? Do we get a heavier baseball? Does it, you know, are we playing with like backyard baseballs where they're wet and they're heavy? Uh, we can go do that. I'm fine. Uh, I don't think players will like that very much. But uh, at this point, all of these other news really is kind of irrelevant at this point because we still have to wait for the collective bargaining agreement to be figured out. I don't think any of these type of news is really big at this point, but we will definitely keep an eye on it moving forward because uh, what happens with that collective bargaining agreement is going to be huge depending on what gets agreed upon as well as how many years uh, of potential peace we could have between the players union and the owners that just really don't like each other at this point. So we will keep an eye on that. Let's go ahead and jump into the college football playoff rankings. Uh, obviously, if you uh, listened or watched to uh, my prediction show on Monday, uh, you would have seen on Tuesday that I got all 10 correct for the first time in a while. So I'm very, very pleased to get all 10 right. I'm glad that the committee did not put Michigan State above Michigan. Uh they honestly, like we talked about last time, it wasn't because Michigan's the better team. It's simply because their flexibility and their rankings, it wasn't there. They had to do it. Right. That was the only reason for it. So they've dug themselves a hole by saying Michigan was the better team. 
So now it has to be, it could be a little bit of a slippery slope because we, as we mentioned last week, uh, there's a lot of people out there potentially wanting Ohio State put above Oregon, which I don't agree with. But if they're going to go off the logic that they created for the Michigan-Michigan State scenario, I can see the path, uh, depending on what Oregon right. does versus continuation of what Ohio State does. But uh, we actually talked about off-air uh, your rankings. You had all nine, first nine correct, but you had a different number 10. Who was your number 10, and what kind of reasons did you have for having them at number 10? Yes, sir. My number 10 was actually Baylor this past week or this week. Um, I, I, we I, They are number 11th and Wake Forest is 10th, which I'm okay with it, but I still disagree. Um, I get it because Wake Forest has one loss and Baylor has two. Uh, the, the argument that I have is I just don't believe that Wake Forest is that good of a football team. Um, I think they play in a the worst power five conference in the country right now. Um, I mean, if you just look at their schedule, I mean, they really haven't beat anyone up until just beating NC state, which we really don't know how good they are. And the reason why they're highly ranked in my, or would ranked in my opinion is again, due to how bad the conference was and they beat formerly ranked opponents. Um, so I, I just don't put a lot of weight on on them, especially knowing how porous and how bad they are on defense. I mean, they have multiple games where they've given up more than 30 points. They gave up 34 to Louisville, 37 to Syracuse, 56 to Army, 58 to North Carolina. And then this past weekend, they gave up 42 to North Carolina State. Yes, the purpose is to win the game. However, we know how these rankings play out. And you're basically going with the eye test. You're going with strength of schedule. You're going with, you know, whatever factors it is the committee or, or those committee members decide to go with to weight their arguments. I'm assuming this probably was a little bit back and forth between the committee. Baylor gets the nod for me because of essentially they have wins against a ranked BYU team and they went in and, and thrashed a ranked uh, Oklahoma, undefeated Oklahoma team. Um you know, I, that, that's really my argument. And beat both of those teams by two scores, uh, BYU by 14 and, and uh, Oklahoma by 13. Uh, so nonetheless, I mean, oh, and then I take that back. And they also beat at the time a ranked uh, Iowa State team. I just think their wins are much better than uh, Wake Forest's wins. Um, what's hurting Baylor, I think, in this was that loss to T TCU 30 to 28 a couple weeks back. Um, so I, I guess I get it in that regard, but you look at it like that, you know, they both lost to unranked opponents while BYU has more wins. I believe if they face off, I just think Baylor's, Baylor would be, would beat them as well. So that, that's my argument for Baylor being number two. I understand they have two losses, but nonetheless, the, the, their wins to me are much better than those of Wake Forest. And that's the reason why I decided to put them 10th. We'll see how it plans that pans out over the next few weeks though. Yeah, we still got several games to go, just a couple more in the regular season. I totally agree with you. Their wins are definitely better. Uh, unfortunately, what's hurting them, obviously, like you mentioned, the TCU game. And honestly, I think even though they beat Oklahoma this past week, the committee never really looked highly on Oklahoma. They put them at eighth and just kept them at arm's length. So maybe that's part of into it. But much like you said, we don't know what the committees, what variables they're using on a week-to-week -week basis. If it's the same, if it changes, we don't know. Obviously, I th I think I'm on the side of where it changes every single week because of what we saw with the Michigan-Michigan State rankings and how that panned out. Uh, so 
we'll see. But I can understand putting the one-loss team out there. But yes, just like you mentioned, they've given up 100 points over the past two weeks combined, which is insane. So yeah, their defense is very, very bad. So I'm sure they're sitting on a very thin line as of right now. And Baylor getting that nice win if uh, Wake Forest decides to have a little bit of another game where they give up a bunch of points and potentially lose or just get real close. It wouldn't shock me if they decided to flip flip these two after that type of week. Uh, But we've got some big games coming up this week that will definitely uh, kind of alter how these playoff predictions look. Obviously, uh, the big one at noon, Michigan State going to Columbus to face number four, Ohio State. So we will see uh, a big game in Columbus in the Big Ten, which will clearly – it will push one of these Big Ten teams probably either to the back end of the top ten or completely out, depending on how the game goes, which could open up the door for a team like Cincinnati to be number four or could potentially uh, open up the idea of having Michigan State finally ahead of Michigan, a team to beat. But uh, I'm not salty about that, but, you know, just just something. Uh, another ranked game <laughs> that we're looking at is uh, number 21, Arkansas at Alabama. Uh, I don't think Alabama's going to have any issues here. Uh, do you, Fletch? No, I don't. I, uh, I think they'll handle it uh, very well, actually. Um, they've been playing better as of late. Um, so I, I'm, I do actually want to tune into this game. I think it'll be close starting off, but something tells me Alabama's just going to pull away slowly but surely. I don't know if they cover the spread right now. It's 20 and a half points, basically thinking they win by three touchdowns. I think that a that I, I like, like that as the line, though. It, it, it seems right. So um, I'm actually looking forward to the game because I do think it'd be a good game at least to start and it could be um, you know overall pretty solid but I'm not expecting any upsets there yeah and hopefully as they can put up a little bit better of a fight than they did against Georgia earlier this season uh, it should be technically yeah. a win in that sense uh, the last ranked game that I see on the roster we've got uh, number three Oregon at number 23 Utah uh, I, this is going to be an interesting game because we might see a rematch a little bit later on in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, and if Oregon or anybody in the Pac-12 actually wants to make the playoffs, Oregon has to win out because a two-loss Pac-12 team, I don't believe, even if they have a championship, uh, I don't believe they're going to make it in. But we've seen Agreed. crazier things happen along the way. Uh, I will mention one last thing with the rankings. I'll go back to them real quick. Is that I actually don't have to. I remember it. Uh, I'm very pleased that Houston is now ranked. They'll play Memphis on Friday. That's helping Cincinnati quite a bit, especially with SMU. They're playing SMU this week. Uh, Very interesting game. Could potentially be one of those, uh, you never know, like a potential upset type of scenario because SMU, 8-2, they're playing some good football. Uh, But if Cincinnati gets by SMU, if they win their final game and they get to the championship game, the AAC, they will most likely face a Houston team that if they continue to win, it will be a ranked matchup that will give Cincinnati another ranked win to potentially get into the top four. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Fletch, any other game on the schedule that you're looking at a potential upset? Um. Well, actually, I'm going to mention two games that you brought up that I am going to put two teams on upset alert. Um, the first team I... I'm going to go ahead and put on upset alert is Cincinnati, actually. Um, I do think that SMU team is is a good team. I do. Uh, I've seen them play a few times this year. That quarterback, Tanner, uh, uh, was that? Tanner, um, 
Mordecai um, is 37 touchdowns this year, um, quite a bit for as many games as they played, 10 touchdowns. That's basically throwing near four touchdowns a game. So that's something to see, especially against that vaunted defense that uh, is over there at Cincinnati. So um, I do have Cincinnati on upset alert. I do still pick them to win, but I think they don't actually cover the spread. It may not help them in the future as well if this is a close game because they, they're not concerned with style points, but the committee seems to be. So I, I do I, – I love what Ohio State, for instance, did against Purdue. Uh, that was a style point victory, winning by essentially 30 or so, uh, or I think it was just under 30. So this one's one I have on upset alert. I'm not again. I'm not expecting UC to come out and just you know stump them. I do expect Cincinnati to still win, but I'm not going to be surprised if they if they lose in this game. And then Clark, the other game that I do have on upset alert, and it will shake things up as well if it happens. And I'm actually going to pick the upset. No. I'm picking Utah at home Saturday night, ABC 7:30. I am going to go with Utah. Uh, they're actually favored in this game, ironically enough. Um, not sure how. I would not favor them necessarily, but I am going to go with the uh, Utah winning this game, which is going to shake a lot of things up here. So um, those are the two that I would put on upset alert. Uh, there's one more game I want to mention, not an upset alert game. But before we get there, Clark, are you seeing the upsets or are you agreeing with me possibly on the, the two teams that I have on upset alert? And how do you feel about Utah and Oregon? Uh, I like the first one. I'm not 100% sure about the Utah over Oregon. I like the pick because it's at Oregon at 7:30 on ABC. It's a very prime time game, so it could be could be a very interesting uh, out or interesting game at the end of the day. Especially like you mentioned, if Oregon does get beat, it's going to shake up the top 10 quite a bit. Uh, there was one other game that I was going to mention, and I, I for some reason I always mention it because whenever whenever it's played at this stadium, I just I just feel like there could be some magic happening, and that's going to be Baylor going on the road against Kansas State and Bill Snyder, uh, or Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Uh, Kansas State, I mean, Baylor just won. Great game uh, at home. A lot of energy. Uh, it could be one of those little bit of too much energy used, can't afford it. Now they go on the road, and they kind of get caught a little bit. Kind of it gets that feeling to me. Now, I tried that last time with, I believe it was Oklahoma against Kansas State, and it didn't quite work out. It was close. They should have won that game. Uh, but I, Baylor is a much better team than Oklahoma. But, like I mentioned, whenever you're coming off a huge game, much like we saw with, uh, I think it was uh, Michigan State beating Michigan, then going on the road to Purdue and losing to them. Yeah. You kind of have that vibe, and usually, more often than not, Usually those don't pan out very well for the team that just got a big victory. So we'll keep an eye on that one as well, especially for a team like Baylor that's trying to vie for a Big 12 championship. Uh, what was the other game that you wanted to mention? <laughs> so the other game I want to mention, this is for my guys at home that like to bet, is Ole Miss versus Vanderbilt. The game is in... in in Mississippi, um, just I, I just want to mention this line. Mississippi is favored to. I I get it. Trust me, I get it. Vandy's bad. Ole Miss is good. Quarterback is good. I I I'm I'm curious to see how this pans out. I asked a guy today he follows uh, college football very closely. He gave me the score. Check this out, Clark. Fifty to seven. 
is what he's expecting to happen. Something along those lines. I'm not opposed to it. Um, I just, you know, if you're a betting man and or woman, uh, that's something that you might want to throw your money on over or under. It's a very interesting one. If you're going over or under the line, the over or under on the game is 64 and a half, by the way. Uh, uh, so, I mean, we're essentially expecting Ole Miss, the Vegas is at least expecting them to drop about 50 as well, I would assume, based on the over under and based on the line. So um, I just found that very interesting. That that I always find those big lines very interesting. We saw with Georgia and Missouri actually um, more recently. I think it was they were a thirty-nine point favorite in that game, ended up winning by I think thirty-six or uh, um, at home. So um, yeah, man, just just interesting. That's on SEC Network seven thirty night game. So I'm sure those guys would be pumped to play, and I'm expecting Ole Miss to slaughter them. And I'm curious to see if they're going to cover the spread or not. Yeah, I would, I would imagine so as well. We know what kind of program Vanderbilt is. Uh, but again, for betting purposes, it's going to be very interesting to see if they can cover the spread. Um, I believe that will wrap up college football. Let's go ahead and move on to the NFL and our pick six from last week. Uh, Fletch, you got half of them right. Congratulations. Very well done. Uh, I did just a little bit better. I got five out of the six. I only missed the Dallas game, the one game that gets blown out, of course. Uh, Atlanta didn't even have a chance or a prayer in that game. They even turned it off halfway through. So uh, It's pretty bad. It, w- it was very bad. But I will take the five out of six for this past week. It gives me a five-point edge at this time. But... New week comes a new chance to catch back up and a new week for me to fall off the cliff because uh, I do I don't do very well towards the end of the season when it comes to pick 'em but I will give it my college try. The very first game you have listed for us, you have the Colts versus the Bills. Uh, I saw the over under for this. It said 50 and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I'm confused by that because both of these teams have very good defenses, but uh, both are mm-hmm. The Bills are much better offensively than the Colts. This game being in Buffalo, I've got to go with Buffalo as my choice. I can't really go against them. They've been playing some great football. Uh, who is your choice for this week? Uh, yes, sir. I think this is going to be a good game. I think the Colts are a little bit better than their record at 5-5. Five and five. Um, there's They've lost a couple nail biters, and um, they're playing very good football. Jonathan Taylor's leading the league. Well, Tied for the league in rushing with uh, Derrick Henry still, <laughs> uh, which is amazing in itself. What is also amazing, really, with Jonathan Taylor, I just want to mention this. Derrick Henry has, like, well over 200 carries, where Jonathan Taylor has the same amount of yards on just 161 carries. So I, I shout out to him for really, really, uh, like, showing how good he is. He is, um, I, I think if you list the running backs, one through ten right now, you know, not taking injury into account. We'll say if CMC is fully healthy and, you know, Derrick Henry's fully healthy and a couple other guys, I think you can still safely rank Jonathan Taylor in the top 10, uh, possibly top five at this point, just the way he's been performing, especially this season. Uh, and also looking at what he did last year. I do think this is a close game. I do agree with you that the over-under is very high. I'm actually going to bet money on this one at the uh, over-under. They're not going to exceed 50. Hope I make some money this weekend. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, it's going to be rainy in Buffalo uh, as well as what the forecast is showing me under 50 degrees. I think that's great weather for the Buffalo Bills. I think they do pull this off and uh, win a good game. 
and uh, yeah, I think I, I think they handle business. I, I, I like Buffalo as, as well as you do in this one. Yeah, again, that over-under shocked me because of how good these defenses have been played. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to game number two. You have the Packers versus the Vikings. Uh, Vikings kind of been playing a little bit better. The Packers got a nice win, but uh, Aaron Rodgers dealing with a little bit of a toe injury and dealing still with the side effects of having COVID here recently as well. This game being inside of a dome kind of leads towards a big day for uh Green Bay is who I have winning this game. I think him and Adams combination is just going to light Minnesota up. Uh, Fletch, who's your choice? Uh, this is a tough one for me. I'll be honest. Um, there will be no Aaron Jones in this game, I believe. He's sprained MCL from last week, so you're losing your leading rusher. Um, A.J. Dillon is very capable, though, so I'm not going to knock the running game there in Green Bay whatsoever. The secondary is very good. One one thing about Green Bay, they've been playing very good defense this year. The offense is actually what's been struggling this year. Um, fun fact, I saw earlier against Minnesota, I think Aaron Rodgers touched down to interception ratio was 50 to 7, which is remarkable. <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. Kirk Cousins actually plays better on the road. But even though I'm kind of, you know, those points support the Packers I'm going with the upset this week I'm going with the Vikings at home something about injuries with Rodgers dealing with the toe fresh off of you know kind of you know I know he's a weekend uh, a week back now and it's the second game back since COVID but something about this game just tells me the Vikings may actually pull this off uh, I think still to this point they have not lost the game by more than one score even if they lose, I expect them to only lose by probably one score. I, I'm just, I just got a feeling with the injuries that the Green Bay's dealing with, the offensive struggles that they've been having. I think the Vikings pulled this off, and I think uh, Kirk Cousins has a has a pretty good game here against uh, the Packers. So I'm go, I'm going to go with the Vikings on this one, man. Not too bad of a pick, and I'm hoping Dalvin Cook has a great day for my fantasy team, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, moving on to this game, a little surprised it was on the roster, but I dig the pick for this game. It is the Dolphins versus the Jets. Uh, it was going to be a potentially a good game if Mike the Great White Shark was going to be the starting quarterback for the Jets, but unfortunately they have decided to go with Joe Flacco, a name that many of you may not remember because the last time he was relevant was back in 2012, but he will be the starting quarterback this weekend to face that vaunted Dolphins blip picket. Just to let you know, if you're still wanting a ticket, it's as low as $23 if you want to go to East Rutherford <laughs> Stadium. You can afford it. I know you can. But who, who's, who do you have? Yeah, yeah, I'll be honest, man. If I was a fan of both of these teams, or either one of these teams, or even if I was just in New York, I actually might go to this game. Just Or New Jersey, I really should say. I would I honestly may go to this game. I mean, you know, honestly, can't really beat a cheap football game. It's still a football game. <laughs> Nonetheless, I got the uh, I got the Dolphins in this one as well. Um, I believe Tua will play this weekend. Um, I just don't see the Jets beating the Dolphins. They I'm not saying the Dolphins are a good team, but at the same time, they're a better team than the Jets, in my opinion. Agreed. And let's go ahead and move on to game number four. We have the Bengals on the road to face the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Raiders coming off of a, an abysmal offensive showing against the Chiefs, who 
lit them a new one in Kansas City. It was 17 to 14 at one point, and then they lost 41 to 14. So that's how bad things got this past week. And Cincinnati coming off of a bye this past week, they should be nice and well rested coming into this game. I would, man, I I, I got to go with the Bengals on this one. I don't love the pick. I think the Raiders could potentially come off of that loss, devastating loss to Kansas City, and really play well. But for now, I'm going to pick the Bengals to win on the road out in Vegas. Fletch, who do you got? This is I'm torn on this one, to be honest with you. This was a tough game for me to pick. Um, I am going to go with the Bengals as well. Um, I I think they just go in and get the job done. I, I, I do think this is going to be a really good game. It's a perfect time if, uh, for them to match off to uh, or to face off here this season, just kind of seeing where they're falling in the standings. I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, um, getting pulled up here myself, just so I can double check. I think both teams are five and five, if I'm not mistaken, or no, five wins for both teams. Bengals are five and four, Raiders five and four. So, um, this has some playoff implications for sure. I got the Bengals. I just think they end up pulling it off, getting the job done. I trust that offense a little bit more uh, with Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, um, Joe Burrow, obviously, at quarterback. A little bit more than I'm trusting the uh, the Raiders, who I don't think they've lost. They've won a game, um, or correct me if I'm wrong, really, since the uh, – Henry Ruggs incident. I mean, I think they maybe won that first week and lost the last, the next two. Um, yeah, I, I, I got, I got the Bengals winning this. I just don't trust the Raiders right now. Um, and I think that actually helps the. They're right now currently eighth and ninth in the AFC playoff race. With if they win, they very well could slide into the playoff spot, depending on what happens on uh, with teams one through seven right now. So a really, really big matchup. Playoff implications were more than halfway through the season at this point. Um, that's the reason why I picked this game. Just, you know, it uh, has a lot of weight to it. So, But I do have the Bengals winning this one. Very nice. Yes, and we are getting much closer and closer to the actual playoffs. So a lot of these games are having some merit, especially for a team like uh, Kansas City, who went from the basement of the AFC West to now leading the AFC West on a three-game winning streak. Uh, while the rest mm-hmm. of the ASA less is on currently losing streaks. But let's go ahead and talk about the A or NFC West. We have the Cardinals versus the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks are still trying to get healthy. Russell Wilson, it was the first time in his career that they got shut out in a game this past week in Green Bay. Uh, maybe came back a little bit too early from that finger injury, but maybe another week will give him a chance to heal up a little bit more, facing it off against the Cardinals, who... Continue to try and get healthy themselves. Hopkins doesn't seem like he's going to play this week. Uh, they talked about Kyler Murray potentially coming back this week, but with the bye week the following week and week 12, there's a good chance that neither will play yet again. But with that defense as well as James Conner leading the NFL with rushing touchdowns with 11, yeah, 11 at this point, um, we will see what happens. This one's tough. I... I want to say Seattle gets back on track, but I, I can't believe that. I, I got Arizona winning this game. Fletch, who do you got? Yes, sir. This, is, this should be a pretty good game. I do think that, well, first and foremost, I'm a man of my word. I told you off air, I got to eat my words when I'm wrong. 
it's just something I feel like I got to do. Uh, I, I feel like uh, we see a lot of analysts on TV. They're just, you know, they may see, or even on po- other podcasts, they just are extremely wrong sometimes. And, you know, not a, people, a lot of people are afraid to admit it. That's not me, man. I'm straightforward. I'm, I, I, I'm you know, you know, by the book on this one. I got to eat my words against Seattle. I thought they were going to come out Russ's first game. As much as I like Russ and I know he's a gamer, I'm like you. I just don't think he was ready. Um, I expected him to be, uh, um, if not at least play well. Um, so from last week, I do think that extra ex- that game helped him. I do think that the extra week of this week of practice helped them as well. I I, I don't I, he's not going to get shut out two weeks in a row. First and foremost, I I'm torn again. I'm torn again, and I and I've I've picked this game, and I'm just going to stick with my pick. I'm going to go with the Seahawks, man. I don't. I'm just I'm just going to roll with it. It's uh it's a it's a big game again. The Seahawks have to get back right. They're three and six right now. Um, last in the NFC West. Uh, this win is desperately needed because eight losses is just not going to cut it this year, uh, especially with the extra game. I don't think a nine and eight team can make the playoffs, and even if they lose this game. I mean, they'll be at three and seven. That means they would have to essentially run the table to get a playoff spot. I think they do win this game, um, I, and and the reason being is really the injuries to 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 the Cardinals uh, with uh, uh, Hopkins and uh, Kyler Murray being hurt. Even if they play, I'm just not expecting them to come out and be 100 percent and play that well. I think Seattle has had this whole week to prepare for them, and it's a divisional matchup. They know what that team is capable of. They see them very often, especially with this style of offense they've been playing over the last few years. I just think Seattle does what they need to do to at least be still in the conversation. I'm not saying the Cardinals are a bad team. I just think the injuries are going to catch up to them because uh, not only are they missing those two guys, as much as James Conner has balled out this year, they are still missing Kenyon Drake as well. So um, I, I do have the Seahawks winning this game in a close one. Very good pick. Our last pick for the pick six, we have the Steelers going on the road to face the L.A. Chargers. Uh, the Chargers coming off of a loss, where the Steelers coming off of a bye. Now, granted, we still may not see Ben Roethlisberger this week. That might be another start for uh, Mason Rudolph, which I know everyone just, ah, I can feel the excitement in the air right now. Uh, <laughs> But what this means is that you will see probably a lot more of Najee Harris going against a defense that likes to protect against the pass, but not so much against the run. Uh, That being said, I'm going to say Pittsburgh goes on the road with Najee Harris and company gets it done. Barely. I don't see this being a high scoring game. I don't see this being a great game to watch, but I think Najee Harris gets enough out of that run game. The Steelers, they get the win. Fletch, who do you got? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good pick. I have the Steelers as well uh, winning this game. Um, I'm just not trusting the Chargers right now. Um, I think they got a – I mean, I, I think – I want to say actually there's a new injury report out where Herbert's dealing with a little bit of an injury. I don't think it will really hinder him a lot, but that Steeler defense is still pretty good. And I think they'll uh, stifle that offense just a little bit, enough to win the game. I'm not big on either team right now. I think they're just both moving in the wrong direction. This is another game that has a lot of weight. We mentioned the Bengals being eighth and uh, and the Raiders being ninth facing off this week. Well, the reason why I think one of the, whoever wins that game is going to slide up is essentially whoever loses this game between the Steelers and Chargers are going to slide out. Uh, plain and simple. It's just, you know, simple math here. So um, big game. I do have the Steelers winning this one. 
uh, close game, I believe, as well. I would not be surprised one way or another, but I do think uh, for the very same reasons you mentioned, Najee Harris going against that uh, that run defense that's really not that great um, with the Chargers not really, you know, impressing anymore as they were a little bit earlier this season. So I do have the Steelers winning this one. Very good pick, and we will see how well we do this past week. If you want to join in on the picking fun, simply put your picks in the comments below, either on Facebook or on many of our other platforms, podcast areas, uh, and we will guide you to the list. Right now, it's a very close race amongst the top, but we will see how these picks go this week. Let's go ahead, Fletch, and finish off this podcast with our NFL Top 10. We've done it over and over again uh, at this point. Uh, there was a team I put up at number one last week that really laid an egg, so my top ten's really going to be messed up. But what we're going to do is just a little bit differently this week. I'm going to name off my ten, nine, and eight to start off, because uh, I think most of those, for the most part, haven't really changed. There is one newcomer to that. I'll talk about them here in a second. Uh, first off, I still have the Saints at number ten from last week. Uh, again, I don't really trust their quarterback scenario, but their defense is just that good. Uh, I really like them sitting at number 10 yet again, but they're they're on the cusp of potentially not being on the top 10 anymore, depending on what happens with the offensive things. Another team that's pushing to that number 10 spot would be the New England Patriots sitting at six and four. Mac Jones and company is actually only half a game back out of the division lead. Yes, the division lead at this point. Uh, so they are potentially there as well, but I like the Saints at number 10. At number 9, a newcomer that finally won three straight games is now leading the division in the AFC West, the Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs are finally back in the fold. Uh, Patrick Mahomes reminded us that, yes, he's still Patrick Mahomes. Now, defensively, they're not great. Uh, still, there's not really anything much to love there. It's kind of the opposite of what we see with New Orleans. Uh, but it's Patrick Mahomes. He's going to throw five touchdowns if he wants to throw five touchdowns. He's just going to stop throwing it to the other team. I like them at number nine. And then after a really disappointing loss last week, I have the Ravens sitting at number eight. Uh, we went into that game. I think that was the Monday night game, correct? Uh, Thursday night game. Thursday night game. Even worse. Went into the Thursday night game thinking the Ravens had this in the bag. My goodness, that game was ugly, and not only ugly, but the Dolphins took care of business. Uh, so I have them falling one spot from the seven spot last week that I had them. Fletch, who is your 10, 9, and 8? Let me just make sure I heard this right. You have Ravens, Pats, Chiefs, 8, 9, 10. Is that right? Oh, no, I'm sorry. You had the Saints, right? Saints, then the Chiefs, then the Ravens. Okay. So we're very similar, I uh, will say. At my number 10, I do have the Kansas City Chiefs as the, as a new team on the list. They are starting to right the ship. As Travis Kelsey said, they got their mojo back. They look good again. Um, defense still a little bit left to be desired, but I do have the Chiefs Chief sliding back in there as the division leaders right now due to the rest of the AFC West not really wanting it anymore. <laughs> Um, is really what I kind of chalked that up to. But nonetheless, uh, they, the Kansas City Chiefs have been playing very good football. Pat Mahomes looks like Pat Mahomes as of late. I think they continue to roll. 
uh, continue to collect a few wins. They have a big matchup that I wanted to put on the docket this week, but I'll be honest, I kind of got sick of the Cowboys and the Chiefs being on this list <laughs> of pick sixes every week. So I decided to go with some uh, some tougher game or some other games that are tough as well. So nonetheless, I, I do have the Chiefs here at 10. They're play, starting to play good football, and I, and I think the defense will at least catch up a little bit. It wasn't great necessarily to begin with. At the same time, it's been better in past years than it has been this year, and I think they'll at least get back to being an average defense. Uh, so I have them here at 10. Uh, at ninth, I have the New England Patriots. Um, I really like this Pats team. Um, they're it, it, we they were my number 10 team last week. I, I just I, I really like how well rounded they are. Mac Jones it's is right now the favorite to win rookie of the year as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Um, the running game is there regardless if it's Ramon Jerry Stevenson or if it's Damian Harris. They can run the ball. They have a lot of very good receivers. Um, and I'd say very good just because a lot of those guys, they are a little bit of journeymen. They've been on teams, but they've always been in the rotation uh, of other teams. And now here they are collectively, you know, playing very well as well. Um, then on the defensive side of the ball, they, they even though they got rid of Stephon Gilmore, they show why they didn't really need him with a couple, uh, you know, good corners there as well. J.C. Jackson being one of them. Um, and then overall, the defense is just playing very, very well as of late. Um, so I have the Pats at ninth and I am the same as you on my number eight team. I have the Ravens here at number eight. Uh, just getting that, that loss against the Dolphins is just really unacceptable. Um, I, I just still think this is a very good team, which is the reason why I still have them eighth. Um, with obviously, you know, quite a bit of season left. Lamar Jackson is still, you know, Lamar Jackson. I just think the Dolphins really had a very good game playing against them on a short week, and I think the Ravens were not expecting it. Uh, thus, the reason for that loss. So, I got the Ravens at eighth, Pats ninth, Chiefs tenth. I left the Saints out, man, and it kind of I was torn between the Chiefs and the Saints. The biggest thing for me was just the the losses that I saw that this that I checked out this the 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 schedule that the Saints have played. I mean they have a the loss against Carolina early this year, have a loss against the Giants. They have another loss against the Falcons. It's just it's just a lot of losses against average or sub average teams. Um I get the offense is really not quite where it should be, especially now that Jameis is gone. Defense is still very good. I like the defense, but even over the last three games they've given up 27, 27 and then 23 points. So I mean, they the defense is still good, but at the same time, they have kind of shown they're vulnerable a little bit. Uh, so for that reason, I kind of slid them out. They would actually be the first team on the outside looking in for me. Yeah, and again, they're very, very close. And again, I would probably, again, like I said, the Patriots very close at that almost number 10 spot for me. Things could change this week, obviously, depending on how the games go. Uh uh, the next one I'm going to do, I'm going to do the seven, six, and five teams. And the reason I'm doing these three in a row is because all three of these teams at one point disappointed us. They went into a game they should have yes. won, and they just, ugh, awful. But you still have to rank them. You still have to give them some type of ranking. Now, last week, I had the Bills at number five. I've dropped them to number seven. And yes, before you go crazy, they did beat the Jets, but it was the Jets. I mean, and they lost the previous game to the, the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. It's a struggle. I mean, they can be a really good team. They're right there. I mean, my difference really for me, the difference between my number seven team and even my number one team is just so marginal. Any one of these teams could be ebb and flow. There hasn't really been a team that's just taken off at this point and just 
really taking control of everything. A team that did, and then they faltered back. And then you have other teams jump up and catch them. So I have the Bills at number seven for now. At number six, I have the Buccaneers, which was my number one this past week. Uh, you lose to the Washington football team. That's three and six. A team that's completely out of their own division. They have no chance. And you lose to them. Awful. No. You get punished. You go back to number six. Uh, again, <laughs> still a very good team. They can do a lot of really good things. Obviously, the reigning champion. But you can't have these type of games and expect good things to be had by us analysts. So, yes, you're going to fall to number six. Uh, at number five, this is where I have the Cowboys. They moved up a spot. They throttled the Falcons. We kind of mentioned that earlier in this podcast. Now, granted, they did lose to the Broncos just the week prior. But like I said, these are three teams that at some point have disappointed us. And right now, I, I like what the Cowboys are doing defensively. They are creating turnovers and creating points off turnovers. They are doing some really good things. Uh, Travion Diggs. Uh, could be in line for Defensive Player of the Year. He is just uh, catching everything coming his way. Uh, they are looking really, really good. But I currently, I actually have them at number five. Bucks was number six. I have the Cowboys eking back into the top five. Fletch, who do you have at number seven, six, and your five? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I would agree with you about one through seven, and I would actually throw the eighth team being the Ravens in that mix of one through eight, really being very competitive. Um, but as far as five, six, and seven, uh, we do differ a little bit, but there are a couple teams that we have in common. Actually, at number seven, uh, I have the Tampa Bay Bucks. A um, okay. little bit low, I think, for most people's taste. But, I mean, I know you have the one spot above me here. Last week, I did have them fifth. Uh, I have them sliding down just, again, due to that lost uh just, I mean, and then recently, just, I mean, I know they've lost to, was it Washington? They've lost to New Orleans. They've lost two straight with a bye week between the two games. Um, so I'm just not really sold on them currently. i obviously not really too threatened um, by how they may finish the season, though, either. Uh, we know that's a capable football team over there. They are dealing with a few injuries as well, especially at the wide receiver spot with God when, uh, dealing with a few injury, uh, we're dealing with an injury as well as uh, Antonio Brown. So uh, none, and then Robert Gronkowski as well. So I mean, they're dealing with some injuries that might be part of the reason why they're struggling a little bit. But I do have them sliding down to seventh. I have the Rams um, at six, and that was kind of tough for me. Uh, biggest thing is that you know, while they both have three losses, the Rams haven't the Rams haven't had a bye week yet, so they are seven and three. They've also lost two straight again, which is why I kind of have them reeling a little bit outside of my top five. I have them there at six. The only thing holding them above the Bucks is the head-to-head -head win, um, and I'm gonna you know leave it there for now. Um, I don't mind these teams flip flop right now as well. It's just me valuing the head-to-head, -head, even though it was you know about a month or two, uh, about a little bit over a month ago at this point. Um, so I have them here at six and then creeping into my top five here as we start as we start to really shape that out. I, I do have the uh, the bills. I had them sink down to eighth last week just with a lot of moving around. And again, the Rams and the Bucks losing team get against teams they really shouldn't have lost to. I just have the Bucks jumping them, those teams, as well as the Ravens losing too. I have them jumping all three of those teams just due to the fact that they won. Uh, they did what they were supposed to do again, probably should have lost to. Uh, uh, Jacksonville a couple weeks 
weeks ago. But at the same time, you know, again, we talked about it. That's still a damn good football team uh, across the board. Very good from, you know, the offense to the to the to the defense and what they can do with, with the run in the pass and both in both categories. So um, I do have the bills here rounding out that five, six, seven uh, range there at number five. Very nice. And I will have you continue on. Tell us your top four teams for this week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So again, it's just it's, again, one through one through seven or one through eight is just difficult. But nonetheless, there are some teams that I just feel like are still at the top. Uh, I'll start with number four being the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I, I, I understand they're dealing with some injuries. They're eight and two, which is uh, uh, tied for the best record in football. Right now, um, I really still like this team. They're doing very well. Um, I think once they get all their other guys back healthy, uh, they'll continue to pick up where they left off. The defense is very good. They're still three and zero in the division, which is something that they'll hold over the rest of that division, uh, which is which is very nice for them. Um, again, just a loss last week and dealing with some injuries. Um, I do have them here at four when last week they were my number one team. Um, just you know, that's what a loss can do to you uh, with the way the season's been going this year. Uh, at number three, I have the Dallas Cowboys. I think, again, that Denver loss was a blip on the, on the radar. I, I just felt like the receivers, both Cooper and Lamb, were dealing with some injuries that week. And then they just, you know, I, I think Denver was just up for that game and, and just put it to them straight out the gate. And, um, you know, they couldn't really do much offensively to to combat that. So um I, I think again it was just a blip on the radar and it kind of showed they were they were they played against a surging Atlanta team at the time and they decimated them. So that was a huge win. Kind of kind of how we talk about the college football playoff uh and and the rankings for that. It, it was like a style it was a lot of style points there in that win. So um I think they really flexed their muscles. So I do have them creeping up to number 3. My top two teams will go with number two here first is going to be the Green Bay Packers. Um, eight and two. They shut out Seattle. I know it was Russ Wilson's first game back. Uh, man, like you said, probably probably came back too soon or possibly came back too soon. Or maybe they were just rusty. It's hard to say. Um, I know the team's dealing with a couple injuries with Chris Carson not playing over the last month or so. But at the same time, for them to shut out Seattle, something that's never been done before. They're also tied for the best record in football right now. Um, I, I just got to go with the Packers here at number two, uh, especially with the win over the Cardinals to kind of help their resume a little bit. And my number one team is the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I, I, I love the Titans and how they've been playing lately. Uh, they started the season a little bit slow, which a lot of people were shocked about. Um, but they've won six in a row, and they really just don't show many signs of sh slowing down here. They had a tough game against a very good defense with the Saints, who is I know is uh, still in your top ten and just on the outside looking out for me. We both think highly of that defense. And, you know, they did what they were supposed to do with A.J. Brown not even having a great game and no Derrick Henry. Um, that just shows me how good the team is as a whole. Um, possibly the best team in the AFC. And they have a again. They have they're eight and two, whereas no team has more than more than six wins in that whole conference. So, um, yeah, I, I have the Titans here sitting as the kings of the NFL currently as of week. What is this week eleven that we're heading into right now? Um, so yeah, I, I I really like them, and they have a, a a extremely favorable matchup at home against Houston. So expect them to put win number nine up on the board this week. Yeah, I would uh, solely believe that they should be able to get that win. But we said the same thing with the Bills against the Jags and the Cowboys against the Bra or Broncos. So 
Who knows what's going to happen, but we'll definitely keep in touch when it comes to definitely for fantasy football purposes. But as for my top four at number four, I have the Cardinals sitting there. They were my number two team last week. Again, the problem is staying healthy with Murray and Hopkins out. They're still playing great football. I think the defense is very, very good, but uh, they're just just one spot. At, or a couple spots behind from my last uh, rankings this past week. Uh, it'll be a little bit of a surprise because I have the Rams just, side, or just one spot ahead of them. I know the Rams are a little bit of a downturn, but it is still your Super Bowl pick, and I still believe in your Super Bowl pick. And I know that they're very, very good. They just got to get things back into order, and I know that they can dominate just with the best of teams. Um, so I have them at number three. I have your number one at my number two. I have the Titans at number two. They've been super impressive without Derrick Henry. They've got a lot of great wins on their resume. Uh, they beat the Bills. They beat the Colts. They beat the Rams. They beat the Saints just here recently, uh, along with a win earlier in the year against the Seahawks. Uh, I like them sitting at number two. Very impressive that they're doing this without their king at this point. Uh, they will continue to move forward. Hopefully they can get Julio Jones back healthy and maybe get that passing game going a little bit more. But they are playing some very good football at this point. I like them at number two. And then my number one, I have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers sitting there. And again, like we've mentioned over and over at this point, all these teams, one through seven, one through eight, whatever you want to say, uh, just paper-thin differences between any one of these teams. I like the Packers at this point. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, when he is fully ready to go, him and Devontae Adams, put together some heck of a uh, combination. And just like you mentioned earlier, it's really their defense is what's making the things go at this point in Green Bay. Uh, one of the best secondaries to play. So when they go against uh, more of a passing team like the Rams or maybe even the Chiefs, uh, they are going to play well against them as long as that secondary stays healthy. Uh, so those are our top 10 for this week, and we will be keeping an out on, our eye on the games this past or this upcoming weekend, along with all the other sports out there for both college and professional. Fletch, anything else before we check out for the day? Um, one more thing. We we'll, we'll stick with well, actually, two more things. I want to kind of mention something that we talked about earlier in the show. However. For, uh, I really like the at this point in the season. We talked about it. We're more than halfway through the year. A lot of teams have saw uh, have gone through their first their their bye week. I should say, um, the the playoff race is really shaping up, Clark. Um, just kind of want to mention this really quick. Right now, your division champs would be the Titans, the Bills, the Ravens, and the Chiefs in that order. And the AFC seeds one through four with the Titans getting the first round bye. And as of now, the wild card teams in the AFC are the Steelers, the Pats, and the Chargers with the Bengals and the Raiders, Colts, Browns knocking on the door uh broncos you can throw them in the mix at five and five tied with the colts and the browns right now but i think it's really going to come down to uh for the wild card spot a couple teams that are surging right now like the pats uh, um teams that uh, possibly like the colts uh other teams that look good like the Bengals and the raiders at times those are your team the chargers too those are your teams that i really think will be there come the end of the season i'm not sold on this Steelers quite yet, just with uh, offensive woes they've been having, uh, with with uh, Ben being hurt. Also, when he plays, I mean, you know, he's still he's he's up there in age. Might be his last season. Uh, we're seeing that a lot. And then on the NFC side of things, the uh, division winners right now will be the Packers, Cards, Cowboys, and Bucks, uh, one through four, with the Packers getting the first round bye over in the NFC currently. Who is your number one team? Titans being my number one team, both one and two on our list, both one and two in the league right now. So. 
Uh, we both agree that those are probably the two current best teams in football. And then rounding out the wild card right now is the Rams, Saints, Pats, or Panthers, I'm sorry, uh, at five, six, and seven. What I will say is this, what I'm very, very, very interested in is how six, seven, eight shakes out for the NFC. Uh, really due to the fact that the Saints have a very good defense, the, the Panthers have a very good defense, the Vikings have a very good offense. These are the teams that are really knocking on the door between six and set, six, seven, eight. Um, you would assume the Rams and the uh, cards will decide the, the division and also the top wild card spot. Uh, but so six and seven seem to be uh, a log jam to try to get into the playoffs. So pay attention to these races. There's a lot of huge matchups on the schedule coming up over the next few weeks with the added game. Most teams have uh, seven games left. Uh, some have uh, uh, eight games left. So we'll see how this kind of shakes out. But just this time of year, Clark, is, I think it's good to mention kind of where we are and you know, and I want to I want to ask you this question: What team on the outside looking in right now, uh, or even a wild card team that you have as a dark horse? Not so much just to, not 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 so much just to win it all or anything like that. And we're going to exclude the Rams from this because we know they're fighting for the division. But who do you foresee possibly in NFC or AFC that's fighting for a wild card position or in a wild card position right now uh, that you kind of see as a playoff dark horse, meaning they could win? you know, wild card and divisional weekend, or at least wild card weekend and make a lot of noise in the next round. Well, how are you, how are you feeling? Who are, who, are you, who are you liking so far? I think the one team that comes to mind uh, that really has been playing great defense, uh, they're getting enough out of their offense. They've been very efficient on that side of the football. Nothing flashy, but that's what you typically see in a Bill Belichick team. Yes, it is the Patriots of all teams that could potentially uh, push for a uh, really could push for the division at this point, not just a wild card spot, but could potentially win the division yeah. of how well they've been playing with Mac Jones being uh, clearly the best rookie quarterback in the draft. He's been playing just very efficient football. Nothing, again, nothing flashy, but you don't need it to be flashy. Um, they are actually 4-0 on the road at this point. Got to get a little bit better playing at home, but Four straight wins. Their defense is really, really good. Even without Stephon Gilmore, uh, they're doing what they need to. And I think Bill Belichick might be, could be, uh, might be in the race for coach of the year at this point. Maybe right behind, maybe like a Mike Vrabel type coach that's really doing great without his lead uh, running back at this point. Um, or even uh, Cliff Klings Klingsbury out of uh, Arizona. But I'm going to keep an eye on those Patriots at this point because not only could they win a wild card spot, they could potentially win the division uh, uh, mm -hmm. sans Tom Brady, which means Bill Belichick's continuing to try and put his name as the greatest uh, coach of all time uh, debate. So I like where things are, but like you mentioned, there's still quite a bit of football yet to be played. A lot of teams just kind of muddled in right now. No one's really taking the initiative to really take uh, a huge step moving forward, but I think over the next two or three weeks, uh, we are going to see a couple of different teams really take off, hopefully, uh, but you never know. As of right now, really the only team that's really taken off at this point, either be the Packers in the NFC North or the Cowboys in the NFC East, both handily handling their divisions at this point. Everybody, every other division, uh, we got to have to wait and see what happens. 
Uh, Fletch, another phenomenal show. Again, that free time trying to get soaked up by all those <laughs> wonderful <laughs> games to play and other games to watch. Uh, as of right now, I just checked the score of Ohio State. Xavier, I think Ohio State was down by five. Last time I checked, they're actually down by eight with four minutes left. We're going to check that game out. But for right now, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. the Harry Hobo. That's Fletch, and we're out. Peace.